Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlick. I am so glad that you're here with us today because I have the most amazing guest, Peter Sandy. Thank you, Peter, for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's give peeps an understanding of who you are and what you do. Um, give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you do. Uh, well, my primary thing is marketing message development, and I look at, look at it from a copywriting perspective of what do you actually say, not how do you say things or this branding approach of, well, here's a new logo for you or what tactics you use, but like, these are the exact words you should get people to understand. Like, this is what will get them to have the light bulb moment of like, oh, I get what you see, do and I actually want it. I'm motivated to get it and I see why it's the best option for me. Like what needs to happen for that to happen? And I also do a lot of funnel reviews and website reviews and, and the conversion side of it. I don't really care about design and technology, but rather like what makes websites effective. Most of my clients, like 60, 70% are marketing experts, but the others are anything from software to e-commerce to personal coaches to traditional service businesses to agencies to, I mean, artists, like anything and everything. I, I like having a lot of variety, but people sometimes call me the marketer's marketer because really most of my clients are marketing experts who sell their own marketing services. It's just damn hard to do your own messaging because you're so close to your own thing that even if you do that for others, you're going to struggle to do it for yourself without just you need some sort of objectivity to it it's the cobbler shoes running around without <laughs> shoes <Yeah. on. laughs> awesome so is there kind of a secret sauce to marketing i mean clearly you found one but because if you can market to um if you can use your system on any industry i'm thinking that there's kind of a little bit of magic sauce so without giving away your magic sauce how do you how do you see marketing as a um as a system um, I think there's two layers to answering this. So one is what I sometimes call the foundation. There's sort of these three things you have to get right. If one is wrong, then you're just screwed. One is who are you talking to? So the target customer. Uh, there's a common mistake with that, though, which is that people think about it as, well, how would we pick those people out of a crowd? Whereas really only one thing truly matters about those people, and that is their perspective to what you do. If they see it as scary, then you have to make everything your marketing address that. If they are afraid of a specific aspect, you have to address that. If they are worried about something, if they hope for something, if they expect something, if they have a misconception, like all those things affect your marketing. Not, nothing really else makes that big of a difference. Then the other thing in the foundation is what do you offer them? And it's not just the product or service, it's the guarantee, it's the bonuses, it's the delivery, it's the price, it's everything that they actually get. And there's a massive difference between trying to sell people something they don't actually want to buy and selling them something they are like, oh yeah, that sounds amazing. And then the third thing is how do you tell them about what you offer? So that's the foundation. Messaging is the last piece of it. 
And then the other layer is the strategy part or what I sometimes call the conversion funnel or conversion path, so like sales funnel strategy. What are the steps that people have to take for them to buy? So usually people like marketing people talk about one step on that path, not the full system. Um, obviously, if they talk about a strategy, then they are attempting to talk about the whole system, but people often still build just the beginning and the end of it. They have social media and blogging and podcasts and videos and emails and advertising and all these things they do to reach potential customers. And then they have a bunch of ways to close those people. They have sales pages and webinars and they do cold calling and cold emailing and all these things to get to people to buy but they have that whole middle section missing, which is getting those people ready to buy. If you think through like how I look at marketing is you have to change or not necessarily change, but perhaps correct people's beliefs, thoughts, and feelings around what you offer. If you get them to believe, think, and feel everything they have to think, feel, and believe for them to buy, then great, they will buy. If they don't at even one of those things, then they don't buy. And obviously, I don't mean you need to lie or you should ever lie or mislead people. But if, for example, people believe that something will take unreasonably long uh, or they believe that, well, someone like me could never get these results, then you have to correct that. And there can be a very long list of those beliefs or thoughts or even feelings that you have to change. So that everything in between how you reach those people and how you close them, that's where you change those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And how you do that is maybe more of the secret sauce, but that depends on the situation. But really just understanding that that's what marketing is about, uh, I think enables me and everyone else to do marketing effectively. Nice. I love that. And would you say that the <clears throat> distance between those ads, the social media, the intake, and the close is based on how complicated of a product you have or how much it costs? What is usually the determining factor in that? No, I don't think it's either of those. I think most people think it is those things, but, and maybe there's some impact on those. Yes. So if you're selling a, I don't know, $50 million project, then yeah, you're not going to sell straight from a sales page, but like to some degree, yes, it affects, but more what affects is first of all, how close are those people already to being ready to make a purchase decision? If, I don't know, I'm the type of person who, just, if I see something that's really good for me, I will very quickly take action on it. I will very quickly check if it actually is good for me and then make a decision. Because I know that if I postpone it, I'm just going to spend time thinking about it, wasting time, and I'll anyway end up making the same decision I could have made right away. But my point is, how close are they to being ready to buy? And then how many of those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs do you have to change? And how closely held are those for people? So I'll use a very extreme example of this. If you would have to change someone's religious beliefs, you'd need a lot of time, most likely. That might be almost impossible on any sort of scale. So like, well, clearly not. There's all sorts of people changing people's religious beliefs. But my point is that if they are really closely held beliefs, then it's going to take usually much more time to change them. Um, whereas if someone like, I don't know, if they're just have some random factual mistake and you just show them like, well, here's scientists say that this is it. And they are not the type of person who thinks that their research is more credible than billions of dollars spent on actual research. Then like, that's it. Like, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. So it's, it's more about how close are they to buying? How many things do you have to change about their mind? 
and how difficult it is for them to accept that they've been wrong about something. Again, I don't mean you should mislead people or make them believe something that isn't true. I'm sure there's, there are people who, who are willing to do that and it works, unfortunately, just as effectively. So, but I'm kind of guessing you're not attracting a bunch of those people, so. I wouldn't think so. Uh, I think it's much easier to just tell somebody the truth what you have if it's, if it's awesome. Like most, and most people I think underestimate how awesome their thing is because if you do coaching or something, people are in a position where they want coaching. If you're an electrician, people are in a position where they want a competent electrician to come into their house. And if you pass and you've got your certification, you know what you're doing, then it's all good. You've, and it's, it's a, I totally concur that it's a matter of being able to kind of meet your client with where they're at and what they need in that moment. And a lot of people, I think also use the same kind of sense of urgency marketing all the time, which to me becomes kind of exhaustive. Um, but I think that people are, there's people that want, have a sense of urgency, like let's take electricians, for example, like there is a clear need that I have this thing and I need it done now. And I, you know, want it done by the weekend before the party happens. But then there's this other, you know, I've been thinking about maybe renovating. Does that have a different kind of atmosphere emotion to it? <clears throat> that, that sense of urgency marketing versus I think I might need it in, in a bit. And I've been thinking about it. Um, yes and no. I, I think people who think that, well, I might need it a little later. I don't care now. Don't buy. Like it's very, very few people who will buy sort of preemptively something that they don't feel like could be necessary for them very soon, but rather they think that, well, this might be necessary for me in a long time later. Like I don't think almost anyone buys anything like that if they don't at least have that fear of I might need it any moment. So there is always sort of need for urgency for almost anything you sell. Even if somebody's planning but, their wedding like a year from now? Yeah, really but if they are wedding, <laughs> if they are planning their wedding now, then they have the sense of like, I must be planning it now because if I start planning in six months, I'll be late. So they have now the sense of urgency about the purchase. They have the sense of like, I, I must make some decisions now. So there is the sense of urgency, whether it's real or not, like that has nothing to do with it. And like you might, like depending on the wedding, you can plan it in a couple of weeks or a couple hours, or you might need two years. Like, I mean, people do go crying and crazy the on their wedding sometimes. <laughs> so like, yeah, but it depends really on, on what you're doing. So it's more about they have to have that sense of urgency in the sense that they want to do something about it now. And that comes down to the foundation. Like, are you talking to the right people? Like you have to pick it them based on the perspective. Part of it has to be that they want to do something about this now, because otherwise you have to create that sense of urgency. And that's really hard, not impossible, but really hard. And I'd venture, I guess, that no one who's listening to this should even consider doing that and should only go after people who already have some sense of urgency about the type of thing that you help with. And it's not usually about, well, I must buy this sort of thing, but rather I must fix this pain before it gets unbearable. Absolutely. Well, and for the obvious reasons that it's, <laughs> it's kind of the low lying fruit, if you will, but are there other reasons why they would do it that way? Attract those people that are already have a sense of pain. Not really. I mean, it's the obvious. It's just, it just doesn't make sense usually to go after people who don't have the pain. If you're like, if you're very, very, very good at marketing and very good at sort of 
structuring your marketing and keeping things separate and segmenting people and you have a large budget for it and you are very confident in your numbers so you can project very far into the future that if i now spend a hundred dollars to get x leads and i know they won't buy anything from me until in 18 months and then the average is i mean if you have that math then great then you can go after people who are not in any rush to do anything about the problems you can solve but then you have to have very solid understanding of the numbers otherwise you're taking a massive risk that almost never pays off whereas if you do have the numbers then yes obviously do it you can scale just 100 times faster that way but it's it's most people just don't it, it just doesn't make sense very cool. Because I mean, first off, I think of um, people like dentists or realtors or um, even luxury cars, right? Somebody doesn't necessarily go, oh, I'm going to buy a BMW today. <laughs> Just go and buy it. And there's usually a little bit of preemptive thought going on in there, but there's also a lot of tantalizing going on with the marketing. But to your point, those are usually the bigger companies that can afford kind of branding awareness if you want, or which yeah. as opposed to kind of marketing. What is the difference between brand awareness and marketing for those who don't know? Um, I'd argue the difference is between branding and direct response marketing. So direct response marketing basically means that you ask people to do something right now and you're able to measure it. So for example, in an online ad, you can measure how many people click the ad and how many people from the click end up on your email list and how many of those people end up having a call with you and how many of those people show up and how many of those people buy from you and how much money you actually made out of those people. Did you make more than less than what you paid for the ads? That's the sort of like direct response marketing. Branding marketing, I mean, obviously you can mix this, but branding marketing relies on creating a favorable image of you in case you sometime in the future decide to buy something like what this company sells, like maybe one day you will buy a car, hence BMW will now spend money on making you like BMW. And every other car brand will do the same thing. And if you're in that sort of industry and your profit margins and, and overall the economics are like that, then it makes sense because very few people like most people, well, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of people will buy cars. Mm -hmm. And if you're the one car brand that doesn't do a whole lot of branding, so people are not really aware of you and not really familiar with you, then they won't feel as safe with you. They won't feel like you're the safe car brand. You're the, the cool car brand. You're the whatever car brand you've tried or would have made yourself to be. So like, I'm not a car guy. I don't even own one and I'm happy I don't need one because we have really good public transportation system in Finland. Uh, I, we specifically chose where to live so that we don't have to get a car. Um, but like, I have still fairly clear image of a lot of different brands. I'm sure if, if you ask, well, what's the safest car? I bet a lot of people say a Volvo. I, as far as I know, there's no statistical difference in how safe a Volvo is compared to a Mazda or a BMW or I don't know, Toyota or whatever. But since they've branded themselves as that, people will think of that. So if someone is very safety concerned, they will probably lean towards Volvo. And that's what their branding is all about. If you spend less than a million or less than a 10, 100 million a year on advertising, like don't do branding or never do pure branding. You can do branding with direct response ads. So 
just because you ask people to do something at the end of an ad, for example, doesn't mean you can't also create a favorable image of you. Like to me, this this argument is just pointless nonsense. Because like, why wouldn't you do something you can track? Like you have nothing to lose and a ton to gain by doing that. Whereas if you do branding that doesn't have anything measurable, then you'll always be just guessing. Well, are our bad results or our good results a result of these ads or marketing or not? And if it is the result of them, what should we do about it? Well, we have really no clue because we know we spent this much money on ads two years ago, and now we're making these sorts of results. <laughs> it's like, like it just doesn't make sense unless you spend a, just a crap ton of money on ads and, and marketing. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, we could totally go down that road, but I'm pretty sure that the CEOs of BMW aren't listening to us right now. Yeah. However, there are a lot of um, listeners that are going, okay, so when I put out my advertising, say somebody's doing events and they're not doing events for you know six months. So they're going to start ramping up to that, but they're concerned that, hey, we've got a lot of excitement. People are registering for it, but the actual event isn't coming up for a little bit. How do you maintain that excitement with the audience? And is that part of your marketing? Is that fulfillment? Is that customer service? Does that fall out of your hands? Or is that kind of a common problem that you work with? Mm, well, I'm trying to see what is the more ap like generally applicable question here, because I would approach that as let's sell the tickets. And then like if they show up, great. If not, then not so great, but they still bought. So it's not terrible. And then it's more about like, well, let's give them more and more reasons to be excited about showing up. Uh, so it's like, how do we get to the sale is the same with as with anything. So you, you make them see that this is something they actually want and make them see that this is the best option for them. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so if you're selling a, I don't know, what could be the event? Give me an example. Um, all of a sudden I have this string of clients that come to mind. What could it be? Um, I don't know. Somebody's doing a, a train the trainer speaking stage thing. Let's go with that. Okay. Well, you would sell the tickets right? and with the idea that, well, you become a better speaker and you will gain X, Y, and Z when you get better at speaking. And our approach is ABC and it's really good because of E, D, and F and, and like, and so on. It's like, doesn't really make any difference. And then yeah. once people register, you have to make sure they actually show up. And that's basically, you just resell them on the idea. Every now and then you remind them of it with some new cool perk that they will get or another speaker who's showing up or you remind them of the pain they now struggle with because they haven't yet gotten the training. And like, a, I'm... Am I missing the point? Because this is no, the no, same you're, exact you're, thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and sometimes... Um, like, because you see it from a different way, you're like, well, I just do this. Like, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> so yeah. Not yeah, everybody yeah, okay. will do just what you do because you have your experience and you look at it in a certain way, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but marketing is is actually very simple. I don't mean it's easy, but it's not complicated unless you make it complicated for no real reason. I mean, usually when I tell, does, like, I think. yeah, but like, I mean, I very often tell coaching clients that, okay, let's stop doing like 90% of what you've now put your time into and add maybe another 10% 
And then voila, we're getting results. Like how surprising we're doing the right 20% instead of wasting time on 90%. That doesn't make sense. And only doing half of the things you actually need to do. <laughs> but like, I mean, I talk about marketing essentialism, this idea of let's do just the essentials, actually the things you must do, and let's do them well enough for them to work. And only then start looking at anything that isn't essential. Like if, if you're not doing all the essential things and you're wasting time on something that isn't, then like that's to me like pretty much a crime. Like just just don't do it. Like so make stop. sure you get yeah, just just stop. <laughs> but so what but would it, you define as the essentials? Um, well, it depends a little on the situation. Like we've now talked about most of the essentials uh, all the time. Like make sure you have the right target customer based on their perspective to what you do, not just that they're in an industry or they have a certain kind of interest or so on, like their perspective has to make them good potential customers for you. Make sure the offer is truly appealing for them, not just a good offer, but something that's easy for them to see. This is something I want to buy. Make sure the messaging is right. If you don't know what to say, then like, why are you trying to do marketing? Like all of it will fail or all of it will struggle to create good results. Then make sure you have a way to reach new potential customers, get them actually ready for the purchase before you try to make the sale and then have a way to consistently close the sale. Like that's what marketing boils down to, like those two sort of levels. Once you have all of that done, you get very good results. If you want to, you can then improve with all the fancy widgets and, and strategies and tactics and all, all, whatever. But like you don't need all that many moving pieces for marketing to work very well. For a few years, I ran my business in one or two hours a day and I was only selling coaching. And that included the coaching, the marketing, the admin, all of it. And I made six figures. So like, it doesn't have to be very complicated. You don't have to do a whole lot of things. I did two things in marketing. I wrote guest posts and I wrote emails for my list. And then I had the occasional coach, like call with a potential customer. That's it. What do you mean by guest posts? Uh, I wrote guest articles for other websites. And awesome. I, I did it very well. So I got about... A little over 170 new leads per guest post. So nice. I just figured out how it works for me. So like my point is there were basically three things, <laughs> guest posts, emails for my list and the occasional sales call. That's all the marketing I did and it worked. So very, very simple process. So you don't have to have anything complicated for it to work. It's really like marketing tactics are just ways to say things to people. They're ways to talk to people. Make sure you're talking to the right people, you're offering them something they want and you know how to talk about it. And like that, that gets you pretty far. Nice. So, and I know that works it's exceptionally well at, for coaching, did it for years. The, do you see that there's a difference when somebody starts to get into, okay, we're looking at the million dollar mark or does it depend on how they have set up their strategy for business growth? Um. It depends like some people do launches situation. everything or some people just have evergreens or like, is there a difference in that or is it kind of same thing, different age? Not really. Like whether something is evergreen or launch based uh, doesn't affect what makes it effective. I prefer evergreen uh, because then I'm able to get continuously more data and I'm good at analyzing the data and seeing what matters and what makes it better. Uh, I mean, having done conversion optimization for years, like that's just natural for me to do. And for me, the hassle of a launch just sounds like, why would I ever subject myself to this if I don't have to? Like, obviously, if I have a new product to sell, then like, yes, I can basically do some sort of a simple launch. 
But like last time I launched a product, I made a quick video about it and like just told people like, hey, go watch the video if you want. Like, like that I sounds like do- an awesome launch. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my dream launch right there. It's like, go make a video. Yeah. We'll set it up. You got an option. You're, you're done. <laughs> you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. But like one client recently, <laughs> a fairly well-known marketing person hired me to go through his launch plan. And I gave him like 16 pages of notes. And most of it was saying like, do this. this is going to be a little too complicated for anyone to understand like you are the one person on the planet who might understand this all and like you're risking a lot by doing this this complicatedly and like i mean you like yeah all of it works basically the same way like those same things are at the heart of what makes it work whether something changes when you hit the seven figure mark or the eight figure mark or the nine figure mark not really rather at some point, once you start reaching like market saturation, then things change. Like if you're already maxing out on how much advertising you do on any different platforms with the system you now have, then like, yeah, you need to start modifying. But in most cases, that that's never going to be the concern. <clears throat> like we're usually talking about for that to happen, a minimum of like five figure advertising budget per day. Per I was going to say like you're, you're in the millions yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah. companies like you're that spend, spend thousands a day. A, yeah. You're going to spend tens of thousands a day before that's going to yeah. be a concern, unless you sell something like truly, truly obscure, like something that like there's a hundred people on the planet who are interested. Like, I mean, if you sell anything that's like a little more widely uh, interesting then like you'll be talking about a completely different scale than what wherever you're now like <laughs> very very few people are anywhere near maxing out right so gotta ask are the days of the like the ten thousand dollar long sales uh email are they gone are they still alive and kicking somewhere ten thousand dollar sales Emails. email so back in the day um to hire a good copywriter, it was okay. I need a, a ten thousand dollars sales page, like or a sales letter. So we're gonna. They would go out and they'd hire somebody for ten grand to write yep. an email that would convert. Yep, I've never heard anyone get a ten grand for an email, um, but ten ten grand for a sales page, yeah, easily. Mm. I mean, I've gotten ten grand for a sales page, so like. <laughs> I've done copywriting enough to be like, yes, that's, that's, that hasn't gone anywhere. Cause if you like, I'm not the best copywriter in the world, but I'm very good at it. So like if I write a sales page for something where there's any scale to be seen, then it's probably going to pay off. If you're going to sell, let's say you're selling a thousand dollar thing and your profit on it is 200, only 200 per sale then how many sales do you need to make more with if you now spend 10 grand on a sales page? Like it, not that many, if there is any scale to it, then like you're very quickly going to make back the investment. And very often the point is that you keep buying a new sales page and test it against the previous one. And like, obviously 10 grand is a little on the high side. Most sales pages, you don't have to pay that much to get a good copywriter. You don't have to pay me that much to have me write a shorter sales page that still works. So like, it makes sense once you have some scale, but I much more often just guide people through writing their own copy because for my audience, it, either they are experts who can do it very well and they just need the outside perspective to do it actually as well as they can and not get stuck by their own biases, 
or they are small enough that it doesn't make sense for them to pay me to do it. And it overall, it makes sense for them to learn to do it so that they're not just always paying, like paying someone else to do it for them. I think it makes a lot of sense to learn some of the marketing skills yourself, even if you do end up outsourcing a lot of it, because then you at least can understand what needs to happen. And if, if the person you're outsourcing to doesn't do it right, then you see it and you can comment on things like, hey, could we do this thing? Or, I mean, there's a lot of benefit to learning things. Sorry, I, um, I have a background thing going somewhere and I would like to kill it. Sorry about that. All of a sudden, the phone no started worries. ringing. I'm like, what, what the heck was that? Sorry. So, um, <laughs> back to you. Because um, I didn't want you, the volume to mute out. It was it was taking the volume off my side. So I don't know if it was on there or not. So um, your answer was awesome. And I love it. And how do, how do you tend to work with people? So I'm assuming that you go from everything from, hey, here's my course. Go and learn how to do this all the way up to, um, you know, a hand holding and writing uh, custom copyright people. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, on the course side, like, I have a course called Six Figure Website that goes through message development. What should you offer on a website and how do you write the pages to make it effective? And, like, that's a very inexpensive course. Well, not very inexpensive, but it's not like a $2,000 course or something. And you can get coaching with it, or you can hire me to guide you through all of that one-on-one, -on -one, or we can do just, for example, the message development part, and there's different ways to do that. I'm, I'm very happy to cater to different sort of situations, but like there's the best option that ends up costing a little more, and then there's not as expensive options that still are very helpful. But yeah, I do some done-for-you services, but that's not my main business. Like my main business is helping people learn to do it for themselves or guiding them through doing things. So that, like coaching is what I enjoy the most or the message development so that we do it together. And I do end up creating the message and so that you have a like definitely the right things in there. But but yeah, like I'm... As I said, anything from starting businesses to eight figures, uh, sometimes nine figures. So like, I'm happy to range. work with different. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's a big range. Like, yeah. I just want there to be this, like, I, I find myself very frustrated with people who don't want to implement what they get. Mm -hmm. So anyone who sort of seems not really interested in doing anything, I, I'm also not very interested in helping them. But other than that, I, I just want them to sell something pretty good. doesn't have to be the best in the world, but if they are genuinely trying to help people, then like, yeah, I'm glad to help. Nice. Love that. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of client that you've worked with. A Cinderella story. Well, I think one of the best examples was a guy who helped other men uh, who were struggling in their marriage. And he had been doing it for, I think, about 18, 24 months, something like that, like close to two years. And once we fixed the marketing message, uh, he did two things with it. He changed his homepage and the emails he was then writing for his list. And in two weeks, he made more sales than in the last previous year, uh, previous six months combined. Wow. And that was high-end coaching. Like we, I think at the same time, we multiplied his coaching price, but I'm not sure about that anymore. So like, you don't have to necessarily change a lot. It like... As I said, marketing doesn't need to be complicated. You just have to make people see that what you offer is something they want. If that isn't happening now, it's because you're saying the wrong things. So as soon as you fix what you're saying, things can change significantly. 
I think another funny example was Danny Ine, uh, whose business is Miracy. Uh, some years ago, he asked a mastermind group that we are actually now both part of. Uh, he asked advice on how to improve his sales page. And I gave him a bunch of advice, like, well, I would change these and these and these things. I could also write you a competing sales page. And he was like, okay, game on, let's test it. And like, uh, I wrote another version and I, I think the increase was like 400 and something percent. And like, nice. he's not a bad copywriter. He's a very good copywriter. <laughs> but I think that shows how much of a difference there is between writing copy for yourself or for someone else. Like seeing your own business is damn hard, even if you're Danny. So like, even if you're so good that other people hire you, uh, like, it's still really hard to see your own stuff. And like people who don't have the marketing expertise struggle with it even more. They just might not even realize it. And then they usually end up going on the, the run for the next shiny object. And like, oh, this person tells me I can now finally fix all these things with this strategy. It's like, well, it's another way to get to talk to people. Are you still <laughs> saying the same things? Yes, okay, well, let's see what, what's the next shiny object. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that because you answered like three of my questions at once. It was like, what are the stumbling blocks that somebody have? How quickly can they scale? So clearly, listeners, you know, all of these things, stuff can happen quickly and easily. And we know that we all get into our own stuff. But my favorite is when somebody does mirror marketing, meaning that they're selling to themselves or trying to sell to themselves, thinking that their buyer is exactly like them. And like, they're never going to be, they can't be, they won't be. So you will always know more, be one step ahead of the person that's buying your things, no matter what industry, even if you're selling paint. So awesome. So I know that our listeners are going to want more from you. So how did they start their journey with you? Um, well, I think what might be the most interesting part now is a video I recorded when I redid my own website recently. I that did launch? It, <laughs> it wasn't I launch. did a video I, and I launched this thing and nope, it went really well. No, I just updated it. I, it was out of date. I just wanted to improve it. Uh, I spent about three days on it, combined maybe seven or eight hours. The whole redesign, including rewriting videos and shooting them and rewriting all the pages and like... You can do it pretty quickly. I'm not saying you're going to do it in seven days, uh, seven hours, but like it's not supposed to be a huge project. But yeah, I recorded a video of the whole process. I go through what am I doing? Why am I doing it that way? What am I not doing and why? And what are the common like issues people run into and all that? Um, I think at least so far, feedback has been very positive. So if that sounds interesting, then go check it out. I guess you can put a link to it below. Absolutely, Will. And... Um, go ahead and send them to your page. I'm good with that. Yeah, uh, it's www. For some reason, you need to have the Ws now. I'm, I'm fixing this tech issue, but now you have to have those. And then it's sixfigurewebsite.com. And it's written with the number six-figure website altogether. Awesome. We will definitely have that in the show notes. So you can scroll down if you're on iTunes or otherwise. And we will also have it on the blog post. So go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and look up Peter, look up copywriting, any of these things that you've heard today and you'll be able to find those in the notes. Awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think I go through a little more about what is actually the process for the message development and, and what should you offer on a website so it's easy to take the step towards buying. And like, I, you, you should get a lot out of it just, just seeing it. Nice, love that. So I have to ask you, at what point in your life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur? Um, 
I guess when we have a different education system here, so after the first nine years, you either go to the equivalent of high school or a vocational school. And everyone who was good at school generally goes to the high school. And my average was like 9.75 out of 10. So like everyone, including me, assumed I'm definitely going to to the high school. But then I was like, no, no, I want to learn how to record music. <laughs> so at <laughs> the awesome. literally last moment, or actually like three days after the last moment of, of applying to the vocational school, I went and asked, like, can I still somehow apply and immediately fill the papers and, and still manage to get the application in? And I think that was the moment because it was very clear that if I go into that industry, then I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And that was also partly why I decided that this isn't for me. Like, I realized as soon as I figured out how to market my mastering business, which was part of the recording process, uh, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this for 40 hours. I'm like, this isn't so interesting. <laughs> and like, also because the teachers had said that they don't know anyone in the industry who wouldn't have divorced because of their jobs. I was like, yeah, okay. I don't want to take this, this career yeah, path. That's a, that's a really good stat to point out, Brent. I'm sure all the industry yeah. is like, what are you doing to us? <laughs> yeah. Partly maybe also that like my, my father never really tried to teach me anything like specific. Like he never pulled me aside and said like, boy, you must learn this. The one thing he ever told me is like, like don't become an entrepreneur. <laughs> but like he's, he's tried it, not a good idea. Like don't, don't become an entrepreneur. That was the one and only thing he ever tried to make me believe. And, and I always kind of heard it like, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an awesome challenge. <laughs> Yeah. I will keep that in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I, I knew there was a reason I liked you so much is because you got that, you got that little stubborn streak of, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll do it my way. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Not so, not so little, but. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. And I know it's much later there than it is here, but any last words for our peeps before we let you go? Uh, well, I think just, do less, just be more selective of what you do and, and make sure you do them in the right order and do them well enough before you move forward. Like whatever widget sounds cool, it's probably not the right step unless you already have a pretty solid, effective system in place. Like you cannot compensate with cool glittery stuff if some of the basics are not there. And like you can do the basics just once uh, unless your business truly changes, like you don't have to redo it. So it, it makes sense to do it well once and it doesn't have to take long. It's not like months long project unless you make it one, but you shouldn't make it one. It's like, okay, a couple of weeks, we're done with the message. Week more offer is great. A couple more weeks and then the marketing is built. Like it doesn't have to take long, but just try not to fall for the shiny objects and, and buy things. Like I have nothing against buying advice. That's great but just buy things that actually fit to what you need. Nice. Well, absolutely. Go and check out the video. Go and make a run through for yourself. When you see the difference, go back, talk to Peter and go, hey, this was awesome. What else you got? Because <laughs> so, I know you're going to find a plethora of fabulous things over there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to head this off. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. 
To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.